Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast, your weekly exploration of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Steve Higgins. I'm Gavin Ritza. This is Rich Fuller. I'm Chuck Lourdes. This is Max Traver. I'm Kenny Smith. I'm Ross Aiken. I'm Brandon Peters. I'm Kaylee Blear. I'm the Irredeemable Shag. And I'm shoving everyone out of the way to get to the microphone to say that I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's 1973. Mm-hmm. It's the JLA JC team-up stroke crossover. Yay! And we begin today with issue 107 of Justice League of America, published on the 5th of June, 1973. Approximately two weeks before my mom and Paul McCartney's 31st birthday. <laughs> Yes, so hopefully listeners, you've enjoyed our build-up to this episode with our three episodes introducing the characters who will become the Freedom Fighters. Before we start, I'd like to suggest a drinking game where you take a drink every time someone says the phrase Freedom Fighters. <laughs> so let's see how we got on with that, eh? Okay. Right, so JLA 107. Peter's going to tell you about the cover. We have the Justice League of America shield at the top. We have the DC logo top left. The 20 cents, number 107, October, it says, approved by the Comics Code Authority. But the main image on the cover, there is the Earth being held by some of the characters you may remember from the last few episodes. There's the Human Bomb, the Phantom Lady, Doll Man, Uncle Sam, the Ray, and Black Condor. And emanating in a cloud of smoke from this Earth are the assembled members of the Justice League of America and the Justice Society of America. Superman front and centre. Behind him, we have Batman with his cape up. We have Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. Black Canary's there. Ralph Dibney stretching in at the back. Doctor Fate's there. The Barry Allen Flash. And Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. And Superman is saying to the assembled quality comics heroes, Uncle Sam, why have you summoned us to your Earth? And Uncle Sam replies, To help us overcome the Nazis who won World War II. Gasp. And at the very bottom of the cover, there's a big caption that says, Featuring the sensational return of six Golden Age greats. The Human Bomb, Phantom Lady, Doll Man, Uncle Sam, The Ray, The Black Condor. Gosh, how exciting. Yes, it's been a long time coming, this one, listeners. Let's jump straight Mm. in. We have an opening splash image which shows some members of the JLE and JSA fighting a massive, massive tank which has a few very large swastikas on them. We're also fighting a few soldiers in uniform. And looming out the clouds over this scene are images of the Ray, Black Condor, Uncle Sam, Phantom Lady, Dollman, and the Human Bomb with Dollman perched on the Human Bomb's helmet, which is quite amusing. Some captioning reads. Presenting a milestone in the already amazing adventures of the Justice League of America. Featuring the dynamic return of six of the Golden Age's most exciting heroes. Uncle Sam, the Ray, Dollman, the Black Condor, the Human Bomb, and the Phantom Lady. Plus, the annual visit of the Justice Society of America. Come and be witness as a baker's dozen of Earth's greatest heroes battle to save the soul of a nation and the future of a world. Crisis, Crisis on Earth, Earth X. The caption continues telling us this story is by... Len Wein writer, Dick Dillon and Dick Giordano artist, and Julius Schwartz editor. Len Wein fresh from his appearance in our Halloween episode. Ooh, of course. Rutland, how we miss you. 
Yes, Pete and I are going to be trying to arrange to go to Rockland for our holidays next year. So we can pop over and visit Steve and Shag and Brandon and Max and Rich and Ross and everyone else in America at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we arrive at the top of page two. Witness, a hidden sanctuary on an earth strikingly similar, yet subtly different from our own. This is Earth 2, in the secret headquarters of the Justice Society of America. And we see, standing around a control desk, in front of a fancy big open metal cube, which has all sorts of other equipment inside it. A few assembled heroes, we see the Golden Age Flash, Jay Garrick, making his first appearance in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. He obviously wasn't in the last JLA-JC crossover. We see Doctor Fate, our man, the Sandman, and Superman. Doctor Fate is saying, Done. In but a few brief moments, we shall be ready to begin. Our man scratches the back of his head in panel two, saying, I still find all this kind of hard to swallow, Dark Fate. I mean, scrambling one's atoms is bad for the digestion. Nay, our man, not scrambling them, merely altering their vibratory speeds. A smiling Jay Garrick Flash says, It's really very simple, our man. Until now, we in the Justice League could only cross the dimensional barriers between our Earths at certain times of year. Dr. Fate gestures towards the device that he's been working on and says, Aye, Flash, but if our transmatter devices prove true, our other earthly counterparts and ourselves will be able to travel between dimensions at will, merely by attuning our atomic vibrations to match those of the other world. Assembled five heroes have all sat down at the table. Dr. Fate continues, And at this instant on the planet called Earth-1, those of the Justice League are readying a duplicate of our own device. And soon shall we see if the fruits of our mutual labours be bitter or sweet. And 22,300 miles above Earth-1 in a certain satellite sanctuary... We see some assembled heroes standing in front of another very similar open cube with some equipment inside it and a control desk in front. We see Red Tornado, Green Lantern, Black Canary, Elongated Man, The Flash, Batman and Green Arrow. Red Tornado is in the middle of saying to Green Lantern... But you must let me volunteer for this test, Green Lantern. It may be my only hope of piercing the dimensional barricade that keeps me prisoner on your world. GL puts a reassuring hand on Red Tornado's shoulder, saying, We understand that, Red Tornado, and we sympathize, but we still can't allow it. We've run tests on inanimate objects, lab animals, and now with humans. But unfortunately, my android friend, you are not human. A pause, then... The newest JLA member turns and strides silently away. A concerned-looking Black Canary watches him go and says, Poor Tornado. I feel so sorry for him. So do I, Black Canary. But it can't be helped. Batman, Green Arrow, Elongated Man, take your places in the Transmatter Machine. In the next panel, we see that Batman, Green Arrow and Ralph have all indeed stepped inside the cube. Now, here we are. 180-odd episodes in, and mm-hmm. it's the first proper appearance of the Transmatter Cube, which Yay! has been in our title sequence <laughs> since the beginning. Wow. The Flash, Barry Allen, can be seen operating the controls for the equipment. Green Lantern says, Our chronometers and the Justice Societies are synchronised. To which Flash says, In 42 seconds, we will attempt transfer. From inside the cube, Green Arrow, who seems to be shivering and rubbing his arms, says, Make it quick before I catch pneumonia. There's a blasted breeze in this thing. Elongated man turns to him and says, A breeze in the airtight satellite? Arrow, you really are sick! And as he operates the controls, the Flash says, Well, you can pick up an aspirin on Earth too. Have a nice trip, fellas. At the top of page four, there are panels showing Batman, Green Arrow and Elongated Man being dispatched by Barry Allen Flash and Sandman, Doctor Fate and Superman being dispatched by Jay Garrick Flash, captioning 
reads, Simultaneously, on twin Earths, divided only by some strange celestial whim, two identical buttons are pushed, and six gaudily garbed comrades across the cosmos blur out of focus, then suddenly begin to fade, to be replaced instants later by... And both flashes say at once... Nothing! That they vanished! And we see that instead of the heroes having swapped from one Earth to another, the two transmatter cubes are empty. The captioning continues. And on two separate but equal Earths, duplicate conclusions are reached. We see a very concerned Black Canary in Green Lantern looking on as Barry Allen Flash says, Something went terribly wrong with the transmatter machine. Instead of sending our three members to Earth 2 and their three members to us... And, separated by the dimensional ripple, we see Jay Garrick Flash, Our Man, and Starman, who's suddenly appeared, and Jay Flash concludes, All six have been sent somewhere else altogether, and with trillions of elsewheres to choose from, how will we ever find them? Yet at that precise moment, on one of those multi-trillion elsewheres... Yes, this is great. Sandman, Doctor Fate, and Superman look on as... Batman, Elongated Man, and Green Arrow land beside him in an alleyway in a very undignified fashion. Ralph almost twisting over backwards, and Green Arrow landing with emphasis on his backside as he exclaims, Ouch! I think I bit my bow! Sandman reaches down to help him up, saying, Welcome to the club, Green Arrow! You're just in time for lunch! Oliver dusts himself off. Very droll, Sandman, but this is no time for ha-has. To which Batman says, Agreed, Archer. Judging from our surroundings, something went haywire with the transfer devices. And we'd better find out what. A voice from behind them speaks, causing Sandman to twirl around. I'm afraid I am that what, Batman. Forgive me, my friends, but it appears I've blundered again. Superman exclaims, The Red Tornado? But we thought you were dead. And an asterisk also reminds us, Editor's note, JLA 102. Of course, because the Justice Society haven't seen anything of him since the end of the Seven Soldiers epic. And of course, it's worth pointing out that mm-hmm. Superman wasn't in that story. So you obviously that information passed on to him. And Batman then says in response to Superman, That was our first reaction to Superman. The tornado's survival is a long story. Too long to tell here. And a couple of asterisks take us back to the caption box and tell us, Editor's note, but told in detail last issue. Yes. Or indeed the previous episode of our podcast. Awesome. The next panel, brilliantly. <laughs> Elongated man extends an index finger and waves at a red tornado saying, I hope your explanation for this is shorter, tornado. Much shorter, E-Man. Call it desperation or temporary insanity, but when you refused to take me, I stowed away in the transmatter cube by whirling at near-invisible speed, and my unseen presence upset the mechanism's delicate balance. This causes Green Arrow to observe, Then that explains the breeze I felt. Sure, says Superman, but it doesn't explain where on earth we are. Dr. Fate gestures beyond where they're standing and says... I believe the question is more properly, when on earth, gentlemen? Cast your gaze there. On the final panel of page five, we see that three large metallic blue tanks, all with swastikas in the front of them, are approaching. Batman exclaims, War tanks! Nazi war tanks from the look of them! But what are they doing in an American city? Sandman says, That question may soon be academic, Batman. They've spotted us! And as if to punctuate the Sandman's observation... A hatch opens in the top of the first tank. Three soldiers appear, and one of them starts firing at the ground in front of the heroes. The soldier poking at the top of the tank says... Achtung! Costume strangers, you're under arrest in the Fuhrer's name. Surrender immediately, or our next burst will cut you in two. To which Superman says... Ratsy, you have got to be kidding. Come on, gang. Let's shove that surrender right back down their rotten throats. 
as the heroes start moving forward, the German cries, Fools! You will all die! Open fire! Schnell! And there's a brilliant pspiaw-spiaw-spiaw sound effect, and the next panel's bullets ricochet off Superman's chest as the Man of Steel says, Ratsy, I don't know where you've been hiding all these years, but I cut my baby teeth on skunks like you. And as the bullets go flying, Green Arrow says, Split up, chums, and choose your targets. Let's not spoil the Man of Steel's fun. Tis not fun, Archer, but nostalgia. I too have battled this madman's spawn in years agone. And with that, Dr. Fate gestures something takes form in front of him. He continues, Perchance a mystic battering ram will serve as well now as then. From the golden glow, a golden cylinder with a ram's head on it appears and flies forward. But to Dr. Fate's amazement... Yes, instead of firing into the tank, the battering ram starts twisting around in the air. Dr. Fate observes, What? I cannot control my enchantment on this world. My magic ram turns from the tank, batters Superman instead, felling him. Yeah, and there's a massive... As the ram collides with Superman, knocking him out. Instantly, the stellar sorcerer turns to his stricken companion, leaving the battle in other hands. Well, that's good. Most of the guys left <laughs> who don't have superpowers. That's tremendous. Captioning continues. And they are very good hands indeed. You see the Sandman firing something that looks a bit squelchy, for want of a better way of putting it, into one Nazi saying, This is like fighting memories of old! Green Arrows replies to that. Your memory, Sandman. My nightmare! And with that, Green Arrow fires off an amazing boxing glove arrow to hit one Nazi, and then Elongated Man chips in with, If I weren't so busy, my mystery-loving nose would be twitching like crazy. Where do these dudes come from? To which Batman says, Just hope we live long enough to find out! And he punches a Nazi just for emphasis. In the background, Red Tornado's twisting up into the air, sending a few soldiers flying as he says, My fault. All my fault. Had I only listened to reason, none of us would be here. Well, maybe it's a good thing he didn't listen to reason, let's be honest. The next panel, we're back with the tank commander. Great shot of him with his weapon in front of him as he yells, Incredible! The strange ones are outnumbered and yet they are winning! Mobilise the cerebral gun and put an end to this spectacle. Caption then reads, It sings this strange device, a siren's call, a banshee's wail that shatters the battle-born tumult. And leaves agony in its wake. We see that instead of firing any kind of shell or projectile, that this gun is projecting a distorting wave of red, orange, yellow energy, which is obviously causing havoc with the heroes. Batman clutches his head, saying, My head! Splitting! Pounding! Agonised Green Arrow cries, My muscles! Turning to jelly! Red Tornado says, My circuit's not responding. Can't keep my balance. Caption then for the final pile of page seven. And when the terrible tune fades into silence... The heroes are down on the ground. The Nazi soldiers walking towards them, guns raised. Sandman, obviously in pain despite the mask, says... Can Harley move? We're finished! But the elongated man looks into the middle distance and exclaims... No! Look! Can it be? It can be, and it is, as six more strikingly costumed figures erupt out of nowhere to fill the Nazi forces with a special kind of terror. Swinging on a rope, this phantom lady in her familiar golden swimsuit. The ray drops in, the shining golden ray. Black condor alights. Human bomb runs in from the right. Uncle Sam, it looks though Dollman is holding on to the tips of his hat. <laughs> the Nazi soldiers are shocked to see them. The first one yells, It's the freedom fighters. One of his colleagues says, Forget the fallen ones. Kill the task force. Kill them before they kill us. Yells another soldier. It is obvious these opposing factions have met before by the tremor in the Nazi voices as they bark their harsh commands and 
by the beads of sweat that fall from their quivering chins when they realize their time has come, and has come with a vengeance. Today is the day of retribution, for there may be no tomorrow. Plenty going on over these two panels at the bottom of page 8. We see the ray blasting a couple of soldiers and blinding them with some bolts of light. Human bomb taking off one of his gloves and taking out one of the tanks. In the foreground of this panel, there's a... As Dollman slams a soldier in the face with his helmet, knocking him out, we see Phantom Lady lassoing three or four soldiers together. Black Condor, amazingly, grabbed one soldier by the ankles <laughs> and is flying him along, slamming into the other soldiers, taking him out. And in the background, we see Uncle Sam rushing towards one of the other tanks. The caption of the first panel, page nine, reads... At this point, need anything else be said? And there's a massive... As Sam lifts the tank up by its gun barrel and flips it over, crushing it. Superb. Within moments, the acrid battle dust has begun to settle, but a bizarre baker's dozen has already begun to move off into the shadows. Yes, we see that Uncle Sam has got Elongated Man and Superman over his shoulders, over on each shoulder. Phantom Lady's helping Green Arrow, Black Condor's helping Red Tornado, Human Bomb's helping Batman, Doctor Fate seems okay, but the Ray is helping the Sandman, etc. They all start to move off. You can take a drink because there's a dust bend in the corner of this panel. And as they take their leave, Uncle Sam says... Tarnation, friends, move faster. There'll be another rat pack along to replace the last bunch any second now. And it sure wouldn't pay for them to catch us with the welcome mat out. At this point, they've stopped at the side of a building which shows a large image of Adolf Hitler. The caption, the Fuhrer is your friend. Black Condor has touched a control in the wall. And this large image is starting to swivel. It's obviously the hidden secret entrance Gasp. to their HQ or their hideout. Sam continues, Get the wounded inside, and hustle! A slow dissolve. There is a time of tending and the binding of wounds until, at last... We see Green Arrow, sat up in bed. There's a large painting on the wall, which we think is FDR. The painting is flanked by a couple of large United States flags. Green Arrow is saying to Uncle Sam, where, where are we? Who the heck are you? You can't possibly be who you look like. Uncle Sam gets a close-up in the final pile of page 9 as he says, Oh, but I am, son. Believe me, I am. The important matter now is who you are and why you and your friends were fighting with those goose-stepping buzzards out there. And a very neat caption at the top of page 10 reads, And after the greatest heroes of two Earths have explained their situation to those of a third Earth... FCC Superman, Sandman, elongating man in conversation with Human Bomb and Uncle Sam as Superman is saying, but if this is the planet Earth in the year 1973, as you've said, what in blazes were those Nazis doing around? To which Uncle Sam replies, Why, they control the country now, son. America lost the war. Batman exclaims, Lost World War II? But... I know, son, it's a sad tale. When our president had his fatal heart attack in 44, the governmental balance of power went the wrong way. By the time the USA had developed the atom bomb... Germany had one, too. Since neither side was suicidal enough to use the blame thing, the war just kept going on. A lot more men than had to died fighting for the cause of freedom. Good men and true they were, and some of them were friends. And as Sam says this, we see images of the Black Hawk team and Plastic Man. Gasp. Now, we're going to come back to that mm -hmm. when we discuss the story. In a wrap-up episode. In a wrap-up yes. episode. But yes, think on that, ponder on that. Sam continues. Then about five years ago, it was over. Simple as that. The Fuhrer's brain boys came up with the ultimate weapon. 
mind control ray that had the whole world eaten out of their hands within weeks. All except us, of course. We've developed an immunity to the ray, and we've been fighting Adolf's order as an underground strike force ever since. Dr. Fate says. A fascinating tale indeed, sir, but still we know not. Who are you? We come to page 11 now, which is a full-page image showing all of the heroes that we've just met. A caption reads, A moment of considered silence. Then, for the first time in years, the legends are retold of how these six bold adventurers came to be. Of how Roy Lincoln swallowed a sample of explosive formula 27QRX to keep it out of Nazi control. And of how its explosive potency concentrated in his hands, changing a simple chemist into the explosive human bomb. Of the incredible willpower of Daryl Dane, power that allows him to compress the atoms of his body, thus turning a six-foot dilettante into the six-inch dynamo, doll man. Of how top reporter Happy Terrell had been caught in the midst of a strange cosmic storm, a storm that changed him, twisted him, molded him into the glowing gladiator men have called the Ray. Of how a mysterious figure stepped in to impersonate murdered Senator Tom Wright, much to the chagrin of the Third Reich, an ebon-winged figure with no name other than the Black Condor. Of how socialite Sandra Knight, daughter of a crusading senator, decided to do more for her country than talk a good fight, then donned the lemon-lime uniform of the Phantom Lady. And lastly, of a man who wrote the book on legends, a red, white, and blue-garbed character who came wandering out of the mists of the past to help his country in her time of greatest need, the spirit of liberty known only as Uncle Sam. And as Sam concludes this at the top of page 12, Green Arrow says, That explains all of it, except for one little item. If those mind control machines are the only way the Nazis retain their supremacy, why haven't you attempted to destroy them? Uncle Sam looks almost guilty here as he scratches his head and says, We would have, son, but we don't know where the machines are. Although we've beaten their major effects, there's a second, stronger beam projected from the machines, creating a worldwide mental block which prevents anyone, including us, from remembering the projector's location. Sam says all this, the Freedom Fighters standing in line facing the, the heroes of Earth 1 and Earth 2, but in the background we see Dr. Fate rummaging amongst the rubbish boxes which are in their hideout. Um, very conveniently, as Dr. Fate says, That situation may soon be remedied, good uncle. In the next panel, he's, from nowhere it seems, managed to produce a, a crystalline globe, which has a big crack in it, but that doesn't seem to stop him. As Dr. Fate continues, My eldritch energies mightn't farewell o'er great distances on this strange Earth, but will be a little risk in feeding power to this pitiful excuse for a crystal ball. Dr. Fate is gestured once again, and then a pink glow surrounds it, obviously making it fit for purpose as he continues. There. Now we need only combine our energies and concentrate, and that which we seek shall be revealed to us. Black Condor steps forward the next panel, looking very concerned as he says, Holy chum, where did you get this wee stuff? Nobody's invited you to join our team. For all we know, you might all be Nazi agents, sent to infiltrate and betray us, why should we trust you? Uncle Sam admonishes him in the final panel of page 12, saying, Because I trust them, Condor, that's why. Because I have looked into their eyes and seen sincerity there, and a love of freedom as burning as our own. Besides, 
With what is at stake, how can we afford not to trust them? Brilliant shading on both their faces there, Archie, that must be mm. said. First panel of page 13, a reassured Condor says, I'm sorry, Sam. I only thought... We understand, son. Suspicion gets to us all at times. Now why don't we see what the doctor fella wants us to do to help? The simple good uncle. We merely all join hands around John Globe and focus our thoughts on that which we wish to know. Yes, the crystal globe which Dr. Fate has found is now perched on what looks like a, I don't know, just like a bar stool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it needs must. Yeah, and, and it's glowing with golden energy. Silently, 13 sombre figures clasp hand in hand and form a ring of hope. Their eyes stare unblinkingly at the glowing orb. Their minds echo a single thought. And suddenly, the globe is filled with images. There be your targets, my friends. Mount Rushmore, the Eiffel Tower, and Japan's mighty Fujiyama. Yeah, we see the Eiffel Tower. We see the carved faces on the, on the wall. We see the volcano. Uncle Sam says next. I reckon we ought to split up. Tackle all three of them contraptions at once. Excellent, says Batman. Red Tornado, you stay here. Act as liaison to the three teams with the use of Fate's mystic globe. And the sad sack says... Naturally, you wouldn't want me underfoot, would you? <laughs> I'm getting sick of Red Tornado. I'll talk more of this when we do a wrap-up episode. <laughs> so, caption for panel four of page 13. Then when the teams and their destinations have been decided... This is interesting because the way the heroes are all lined up, they first of all, they look like the figurines that Barusa had of everyone in the death zone and the five doctors. <laughs> it looks like they've basically been plumped down in his little makeshift tabletop mm-hmm. death zone diorama. But the way the heroes are arranged isn't actually the teams that they all end up in, but it's mm. still quite interesting. So basically, clockwise from nine o'clock, we see the Ray, Batman, Superman, Doctor Fate, Uncle Sam, Black Condor, Phantom Lady, Sandman, Human Bomb, Elongated Man, Green Arrow, and Dollman. And as they all stand there with this glow emanating from Dr. Fate's makeshift crystal ball in the middle and his sad sack red tornado stands sadly in the background looking on. Dr. Fate says, Concentrate your thoughts once again. Wish yourselves to your goals. Wish with all your might, all your hearts. And it will be done. And they all fade out, leaving one person behind. Then the room is empty, save for a tattered flag that ripples in the light. And a silent android who studies that flag curiously and wonders for just a moment if it is worth 12 valiant lives. Very moody shot of Tornado being lit by the, the crystal ball there. Very effective. Caption tells us we're continued on the third page following. We pass a full page advertisement for jokes and tricks and stuff like a miniature secret camera or a trick baseball or x-ray specs. Monster ghost. Werewolf horror mask. Secret book safe. Is this... Th- Feels like the first time we've seen one of these. Yeah, weighted wristlets. Yeah, that's the best kind. Mm. The Raquel Welch pillow, which has been highlighted several times in the Weird Warriors podcast, as I'm sure Max and Rich would attest. The next page has a DC subscriptions advert and a half-page advertisement for issue one of the DC humour title, Plop. Love Plop. And if we can find a reason to do an issue of Plop, we will. Mm. I love Plop too. A Plop is one of my favourite things. (laughs) So, we arrive at the top of page 14. Paris, after dark. Once the avenues and boulevards were lit by bright lights and the laughter of a happy people. Now all that penetrates the darkness is the harsh illumination of searchlight beams that play in random patterns across the empty streets below. Into that oppressive blackness step four grim men who have come to destroy the shadows that subjugate a land. And we get logos for Batman, the Ray, Doctor Fate and the Human Bomb. And it's got to be said, this is my favourite panel in the entire story. 
Yay. This is so effective. And it's a real shame that Black Canary didn't go on this adventure because then Kelly could have done all of the Black Canary voices <laughs> and that would have been appropriate because Kelly's in Paris. Yes. That's where Kelly lives and that would have mm. been absolutely hilarious. Sadly not. Oh, well, we should just have to make do with our one <laughs> tiny cameo line. Sorry, Kels. The Eiffel Tower. It looks like it's covered in stuff. Is it frost or is it just neglect that's hanging from yeah, it? it's it just neglect, I think. It doesn't look at its best, mm. but standing in the shadows below it are the ray, the human bomb, Dr. Fate and Batman, of course. The human bomb observes. That's the Eiffel Tower, all right, but I don't see the mind control station. Which Batman replies. Bomb, you're forgetting the mental block. We'll have to get much closer before we'll be able to see it. It is only logical to assume said mechanism is at the tower's summit for the greatest area of dispersal. Right. Our only problem is getting past those guards without alerting every other Nazi in Paris. The ray pipes up with... Then we have no problem at all. Give me 30 seconds, then follow my lead. I'll meet you on top of the Eiffel Tower. Swift as a sunbeam, a glowing golden figure sprints out of the shadows and hurtles skyward on a blazing shaft of light. Yep, see what you see capturing at its very best as the ray takes to the sky, flies up to the summit of the tower. Bringing darkness to two stunned soldiers as he reaches his lofty goal. With a thwack and a thud, takes out two soldiers, saying, Lights out, ratties! And instants later... Back down on the ground with Batman, Human Bomb and Doctor Fate rushing forward as the ray cries from the top. Come on, fellas! There's nobody conscious up here but me. But if the Ray had taken the time to examine his fallen foes more closely, he would have discovered he was wrong. Yep, one of the Nazis isn't unconscious after all. Manages to drag himself forward, and, well, helpfully the Ray points out what he's doing when the Ray says, What? He's pushing some kind of button. An alarm button, to be exact. And it's a summons quickly answered. Because all of a sudden, a whole seven soldiers, not of victory, (laughs) have arrived... The Ray tenses, makes a couple of fists and thinks. That's what you get for being overconfident, Bright Eyes. Looks like you've bought yourself a fight. In the first panel of page 16, we see the Germans getting stuck into the Ray. There's only one way to put it. One German officer crying, Seize him, but do not kill him. The Gestapo has wanted this one for a long time. And at last, we are going to have him. Like wolves attacking a wounded elk, the Nazi sentinels swarm over their golden garb adversary, bringing him down by sheer weight of numbers. Ah, yeah, but sadly with us, the Ray gets struck by a rifle butt and goes down with an ugh. A couple of German soldiers start to lift him up in the next panel, as the German officer says, Take him inside! Perhaps we can have some amusement with him before we turn him over to the... But he's interrupted with a... There's a batarang! Hurtles into the next panel, striking him in the back of the head and knocking him out. Regaining their wits, the startled guards race to the tower's rim, their weapons ready to repel the new attacker, but not prepared for anything like this. Yes, the soldiers look over with their guns in hand, and they see Batman climbing up towards them. One of the soldiers exclaims, Lieber Gott, es ist ein Fledermaus, the bat! The Batman to you, punks! Fear, such as they have never known, fills the soldiers' hearts as they empty their rifles into the swiftly climbing black-cloaked form. And nothing happens. He doesn't fall. Why doesn't he fall? Batman, as he climbs towards the summit, thinks... They're too scared to shoot straight. My cape is catching most of the slugs. Excellent. Without an arm. Dr. Fate, thankfully, flies into view, knocking out a couple of soldiers as he says... Be thankful I dare allow myself only the power of flight, scoundrels. Else I might turn you into the vermin you truly be. Human Bomb gets stuck in as well in panel three, saying... You're not the only one restraining yourself, Doctor. I'd love to hit one of these creeps without my protective gloves on. In the foreground, the Ray comes to his senses, rubbing his forehead and saying, 
Oh, my head. It's about time you guys got here. And kicking the love Nazi in his stomach as he arrives, Batman vaults over the ledge, saying, We could pass some comment about better late than never, but somehow I don't think you'd appreciate it, Ray. In the next panel, they move over to a doorway that's set in the summit of the, the tower. Batman saying, This won't be easy. These doors are the only possible entrance, and they're made of six-inch reinforced steel. It'll take us forever to cut our way through them without the proper equipment. To which the human bomb says, But you have the proper equipment, Batman, standing right next to you. Just move back for a second and let the human bomb lend a hand. And with that, there is a massive... Boy takes off his right glove, touches the steel structure, and it just blows up, quite frankly. Superb! Cautiously, the four brave adventurers enter the newly made portal to discover... Now, bear in mind, this is all supposed to take place inside a structure at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's some dimensional dislocation, I don't know. Mm. But anyway, they enter and they discover a large metallic structure, which is a bit of a Jack Kirby flavour to it. Yeah. It's a large 70s sci-fi style computer with all of its sort of screens and things arranged so that it looks as though it has a face. There's a sign that the way some bits of it are kind of constructed that it has hands. Be assured this panel will go on the social mm. so you can see it. I'm not describing it terribly well. The heroes see this massive structure. Human Bomb exclaims, Holy mother of mercy! Dr. Fate says, By the thousand eyes of Anon! The Ray observes, Amen to both of you! And from this large metallic structure, a voice saying, Alarm! Alarm! Intruders on premises! Activate defense scanners! Okay, we're inside the mental block perimeters. This chamber is countless times larger than it appeared from outside. Interesting. It's a TARDIS, listeners. In response to Batman, the Ray says, So I see. Have you noticed that machine is talking? I see the computer has extended a couple of metallic tentacles, for want of a better way of putting it. Yes. And at the end of these tentacles, are large rectangular structures with a grid on the front, which appears to be like some kind of scanning device, because indeed the computer is saying, Scanner conclusion for humanoids. Abnormal superior capacities. Take programmed action D54N3. The Ray's not impressed with this, he says in the next panel. Hey, I think that device just insulted us. It did more than that, friend. Look! Humanoid abilities superior but imperfect. 576.34294 metric grams adaptoplasm should be sufficient quantity to eliminate humanoids without error. And we see that from a cylinder on the side of the computer, a weird gas has started to emerge. The gas takes form. Four humanoid shapes. One that's kind of brutish in yellow, one a dark blue, almost black, one green figure, and another one that seems to be red and almost looks as though it's either really furry <laughs> or in flames. It has a sort of devil horns at the yeah, top. Yeah, very demonic. Very, very interesting. Human Bomb observes, I don't like the sound of that. I don't like the look of it. Says the Ray. Batman says, Brace yourselves. We're back in the battle game again. So in the first panel of page 19, Human Bomb takes off a glove, lunges forward towards the green figure in front of him, saying, No reservations about hitting this monster with my bear. Huh? Nothing happened. It didn't explode. The glowing green figure gestures back at the Human Bomb, and as a massive... <laughs> human Bomb goes flying, thinking, The creature absorbed my explosive power, sent it right back at me. And panel 3, you see that the Golden Golem figure has grabbed Batman from behind, reaching under his arms and then putting his hands behind his neck. Bit of a wrestling hold that doesn't look particularly comfortable. 
Batman is thinking. Creatures built like the world's biggest sumo wrestler, and it's rooted to the ground. Can't spring its hold on me, and it's breaking my back. The ray is having trouble in panel four as the dark blue figure looms towards him. The ray tries to fire a couple of beams at it, but nothing happens, he thinks. My light bolts have no effect on this thing. It just sops him up, and in a few more steps, it'll sop me up as well. In the final panel of page 19, the demonic flaming figure is confronting Dr. Fate. His right hand seems to be forming the shape of a trident. How symbolic Dr. Fate is thinking. Any other time, my white sorcery would be more than a match for my satanic foe. But this time, how can I dare utilise my powers when I dread what might occur? When I fear I might fail my friends instead? Of course, because remember listeners at the start when he tried to create the battering ram, it went wrong and hit Superman instead of the tank. Gosh. In the first panel of page 20, the flaming trident-bearing demon looms towards Dr. Fate as he says... But if I do not try, my comrades will perish more certainly. It seems, in truth, I have no choice at all. With that, he gestures and boats of blue electricity fly out from his hands. But as before, the eerie energy flies away from its mark, striking instead... Yeah, instead of striking the the red flaming demon, the boats of energy strike the green guy who was giving trouble to the human bomb. Dr. Fate says... Again, my powers betray me. I've struck the human bomb's foe by chance and destroyed it. Human bomb's not bothered, he says. Thanks, Doc. That's what I owe you. Dr. Fate gets a dynamic close-up in the next panel as he thinks. But have my powers betrayed me, or have they merely shown me the light? And then he says out loud, My friends, the solution to our problem is before us. These changelings were designed to combat us on a man-to-man basis, each one uniquely constructed to thwart its opponent's powers, but no other. To defeat them, you need only change partners. And with that, the human bomb takes off a glove, jumps forward, intercepting the giant blue figure that was attempting to take out the ray. There's a massive... As the human bomb strikes, saying, Doc Fate did me a favour, Ray. Now it's my turn to do you one. The ray turns to the golden figure that was trying to rip Batman in half, saying, I'd hate to think that was the only reason you helped me, bomb, old buddy. Or I might be tempted to turn some super sunshine on you instead of fat boy here. That he strikes the golden figure with a bolt of energy which makes it recoil in pain. Batman joins the fray by grabbing the red fire demon, flipping him over, saying, Full circle, Doc. Your playmate was the last of the lot. Now let's finish what we came for. Destroy the mind control machine. That the heroes move towards the computer, which says, Revaluation. Human still functioning. Adaptoplasm ineffective. New defensive manoeuvre required. This mechanism must continue to function. With that, a hatch opens inside of the computer and what only looks like a giant angle-poised lamp emerges. Mm. It's the angle-poised lamp of doom. Gasp. The computer voice continues in panel three. If humanoids cannot be eliminated physically, they must be deactivated. Encephalo waves will halt all conscious mental activity. Projection, complete immobility. And with that, the angle poise lamp, which is obviously some kind of sound transmitter, not an angle poise lamp, blasts radiating waves at the four heroes who all scream, clutching their heads in agony. The next panel, the four heroes stand immobile as the computer says, Conclusion 99.786% successful, percentage satisfactory. The final panel of page 21, it's all looking a bit Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Or Wally Wood or Keith Giffen trying to be Jack Kirby. Yes. Anyway, the computer continues, Projection. When guards reawaken, they will transport humanoids to a public square, put them on permanent exhibition, object lesson to reaffirm supremacy of Third Reich, to strengthen invincibility mythos, to reinforce the dream. 
The computer voice is harsh, emotionless as it drones on, and the four rigid forms standing before the machine cannot consciously hear its buzzing tones, but in some deep subconscious level, a chord is struck and shattered. And with that, the four heroes, while still standing rigid, start to walk forwards. The computer voice starts again. Warning. Humans reactivated. Program reaffirmed. Encephalo wave results. Results positive. No mental activity. Contradiction. If mental waves negative, motor responses cannot be positive. Error. Re-evaluate. The heroes are walking closer. They all raise their hands above their heads. The computer, starting to panic maybe, is saying... Warning. Motor responses of humanoids indicate danger. Encephalo waves still record negative. Error. 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 And in panel four, there's a massive... (laughs) As the four heroes bring their hands down and strike the computer, which explodes violently. And when the smoke of the explosion has cleared... Hume Bomb goes first when he says... My aching head. Somebody mind telling me what happened here? I remember moving towards the mine machine, but I don't remember destroying it. To which Batman says, Neither does anyone else, Bomb. Apparently we fell under the mind race control and we completed our mission by reflex action more than anything else. Standing behind Batman, Dr. Fate looks out over Paris and says, But our mission appears a failure, Batman. I sense no change in yon city with the destruction of the device. The ray considers and says, Looks like there's more to these mind rays than we thought. To which the human bomb says, I wonder how the others are making out. We reach the final page of the story. While a universe away, some unconsidered others find themselves stalemated by an entirely different puzzle. We're back on the JLA satellite. We can see Black Canary in the flash in the background working in the transporter cube. Green Lantern in the foreground generated a screen with his power ring that shows Jay Garrick flash. And Green Lantern is saying, My power ring couldn't find a trace of our missing buddies on either Earth flash. And in panel two, with J flash in his earth, as he sees Green Lantern on the screen in front of him and says, I didn't expect you would, Green Lantern. Wherever our teammates were teleported, it was not to a known world. Our only hope of finding them now is reversing the transmitter's circuitry and fishing for them. And we round out with a very dynamic shot of Green Lantern as he says, What if the transmitters didn't send them anywhere? What if those we're searching for are already dead? And the caption reads, Next issue, 13 against the Earth. I'm being told. Next issue on sale during the first week in August. That's not bad. And the rest of the page is rounded out with a glorious advertisement for a Batman-themed DC Comics 100-page Super Spectacular. Ooh. I remember buying my copy in Argyle Market a long, long time ago. Yes. And that's it. That is the end of part one. Dun-dun-dun. Now, listeners, as we did before with the JLA, JSA, Seven Soldiers team up, we're going to do a wrap-up episode where we talk about it and do all the letters for both parts of the story. Until then, you can drop us a line. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up lovely bonus material for this and indeed every episode on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter because that's what we're calling it. We're at podcast underscore Earth 2 and it's the number two for all our socials. Yes, listeners, if you're able to contain your excitement after that <laughs> that exciting episode and you have enough mental willpower of your own, you can go to wherever it is, receive your podcast and leave us a positive review or... In our coffee page and buy Peter the Price of Beverage, that'd be appreciated. Thanks to all our guest voices this week. Some of them will be back next week as we bring you the conclusion. Until then, I've been Peter. And I've been David. We'll see you next week on The Earth, Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. 
It is obvious these opposing factions have met before by the tremor in the Nazi voices as they bark their hash. Hash? I keep on saying hash. Good gracious. You're making a hash of this. Indeed. Jokes. That's the outtake. In the foreground, there's a whack as Dollman takes out one other Nazi by striking his helmet, rubbing off. Right, what is he doing? He's batting his helmet against his head. Right. And in the foreground, there's a whack as Dollman takes out another helmet. Oh, takes off. <laughs> That's the outtake. <laughs> <laughs>